Hello everybody, FPL Teacher here, bringing you Chelsea 2, Spurs 2. Nothing too much beyond the narrative recommended here in terms of FPL because the tactical developments throughout the game simply made this game unique and it benefited the heroes of the narrative. In this episode, I will look at what Spurs potentially could carry through to the next game as well as what Chelsea need in order to kill games off. Chelsea's 3-5-2 or 3-4-3 depending on how you look at it really depended on the flexibility of Mason Mount's positioning. It really just came down to all of that simply because Spurs tried to go man-to-man up against Chelsea and they reacted by using Mason Mount to attempt to draw out Spurs' third centre-back. Because Spurs refused to get pulled out of position, Mount basically had acres of time and space, but not the ball, crucially. And this led to a lot of chances potentially being played, but a lot of wasted chances, a lot of shots from range, especially from Kante and Jorginho, especially in the first half. So by the time the first goal came from Koulibaly in the 19th minute, really, a lot of these chances were worked off the fact that Kai Havertz did a lot of unselfish running, coupled with how Chelsea themselves won the ball off Spurs simply because they outnumbered Spurs in midfield 3-2. Now, after Spurs reacted in the second half, the obvious change of Aspilicueta on for Jorginho shifted our hero, Rhys James, to right wing back. So this section of the podcast really is about the potential of Rhys James simply because he already displayed this change of position between right and the back and right wing back late last season. So moving on, what we understand now is that Rhys James, number one, has the security of 90 minutes. That goes without saying. Secondly, when Rhys James goes from right centre back to right wing back, taking the place of Ruben Loftus-Cheek, who shifted into central midfield, we now know that James himself takes up a poacher's role. And this was particularly prominent for his goal itself. On the left flank, when Chelsea built up play by overloading that central midfield area, you could see that Reese James was basically central edge of the box. And it goes without saying that eventually the ball would work over to his right side. Now, in the grand scheme of everything, we also have to understand that Reese James himself does have the ability to put quality balls into the box, such as his big chance created for Kai Havertz. And this is an underrated quality that contributes largely to his bonus points. So I did mention last week that James has set pieces as well as the ability to play safe passes, a good healthy volume of passes, especially from the back, because BPS is dictated by volume. You have to pass the 30 pass threshold in order to be within consideration. So James fulfills that requirement virtually by being a right centre-back and with added attacking potential in the second half, he elevates himself to essential status alongside Trent Alexander-Arnold and Joao Cancelo. Spurs. This segment of the episode focuses on what Spurs can carry forward. And it goes without saying that the Kane-Son link is currently one-directional. 
In the first half itself, a lot of chances came from the fact that Spurs' aggressive midfield duo goes to Kane, and then Kane will look for Sun. It really is as simple as that. Simply because our man of the hour, Kulusevski, could not get good positions against Koulibaly. And that goes full credit to the central defender, by the way. So, moving forward, if we are looking at bullying weaker teams, such as Wolves in Game Week 3, Kulusevski is a fantastic pick. He's a fantastic hold. But for the Kane-Son link, you're looking at games that are tougher, especially when you suspect that Spurs will be either level or trailing going into the second half. Simply because Kane himself turned facilitator into poacher during the second half itself, where he has shots in the 61st minute, where he has, you know, that goal at the end. And it goes to show that there are several avenues available for Harry Kane to get chances, whereas Son himself largely depends on how Kane links up with him. In conclusion, in terms of Spurs' assets, it's important to note that they have six attackers, the four potential forwards and the two wingbacks, all fighting a slice of that pie. So, right now, Spurs average three goals a game. And among those six goals that they have scored so far, I think they've had like eight different scorers or assisters. So if you take six goals, which is about 42 points, not including bonus, and you split them among eight players, it's not a lot per player. So pick your opponents, pick your schedule, and own like one or two Spurs players to get whatever returns they give you. In a nutshell, Chelsea and Spurs can show tactical developments that benefit various players and the people that strive throughout this game. Number one, Mason Mount, who has the potential but lacks the teammates to finish his chances. Reese James now elevates himself to essential status because less is more. By playing majority of the game as right centre back and then shifting into right wing back when necessary, he has the perfect skill set of having being in a bonus early on while making sure he potentially has goal threat in the second half. As for Spurs, we know that Son and Kane have their pedigree and it's just a matter of time before they hit form and whatnot. But as it stands, they behave more as a flat track bully rather than essential goal fixture proof status. This is FPL teacher who will round up Liverpool Palace quickly later on.